We are closing in on the end of the book of Hebrews. And our basic theme, I believe we have a screen for that. Jesus is greater, stick with it. This is a sermon. And it's a sermon written to a congregation that is suffering. Um, I think scholars are not exactly sure on what the, the nature of their suffering is. But... Um, suffering is suffering, and it's hard, and their faith is uh, being tested. And so um, throughout this whole book, there's been lots of different shifts between images and metaphors, uh, but basically underneath the whole thing is Jesus is greater, stick with it. And it's actually that simple. Um, And we've talked about how Jesus is greater than angels. He's a better hope, better covenant, better promises, better sacrifice, um, all throughout. And so last week we dealt with a a difficult passage, um, and it's difficult because I think that we tend to, most of the people I meet in church, um, have a view of God that when we mess up, God reacts in some sort of angry way. We talked about this last week, and we read that passage saying that there's no more sacrifice for sin, and that could be startling and and frightening to read about and um, listen to last week's message. We we dealt with that passage. Essentially, as we approach different passages and the different ways they're they're difficult, and I'll talk about this morning's in a second, it's really important to keep an eye on the images and the metaphors that they're using. So last week, if we pull up uh, Hebrews 11, 39 to 40, This wraps up last week's message. There's all these people, and uh, they're referring to Abraham, David, Moses, Sarah, all these people of faith, journeyed, um, they followed God. There's all these people earned a good reputation because of their faith. Yet none of them received all that God had promised. For God had something better in mind for us. So they would not reach perfection without us. Let's go back one slide again. There's this key thought that you have someone like Abraham who receives a promise from God saying, uh, you will be a blessing, your family will be a blessing to all the nations on the face of the earth. Abraham never sees that in his lifetime. And so the point, because of that illustration, the point that's being made is they stuck with it. They did not ditch uh, their faith. They did not leave um, that faith. Uh, They stayed with it the whole time, even though they didn't see the promises. So what's important to remember is when we're dealing with a passage that's hard to understand, like there remains no more sacrifice for sin, uh, that, you know, Jesus doesn't seem to cover that. What they're talking about is leaving the faith. Um, That God is not going to force us to stay. God does not force God's self upon us. And Jesus gave everything. I mean, he can't give more than everything. Gave his life, and if we choose to walk away from that, then we have that choice. And God allows us to do that. So the issue is walking away from the faith. And we read this term like sin, and it's a a term I really don't like. And it's not because um, I want to water it down. It's because it's a very religious term, and it doesn't have a lot of connection with our culture. Um, Now, there's lots of sin in our culture. Don't get me wrong. But I could say I love 
the New York Giants, and I could say, I love my wife. Okay, now I've, the love is very different between this football team and my wife, but I use one word. And so words can be real slippery and tricky. And sin is one of those words. In Greek and Hebrew, you have different words for it. But in that instance, based on that illustration that they're giving us, the issue is finishing. It's just not giving up. Well, we still read about sins in this one, but he switches the metaphors. He switches the images. He switches uh, the illustration. And when he does that, um, the terms and what we're talking about switch with it. Does that make sense? You'll see where I'm going with this. Okay. So last week, you know, we're kind of unpacking this misconception that God has a limit to his grace and we could sin so much and then God says no more. That's not what they're talking about. That's not talking about the things that trip us up that we always seem to deal with, that we wrestle with. And it feels like it takes us a long time to gain any distance on this one issue or these three issues or whatever, you know, are um, particular to us. Um, This week we talk about sins. Those are the kind of sins we're talking about. Tripping up. (laughs) The regular things that we... Uh, we fall into, and so they kind of switch the metaphor on us. Um, and we move into a new image, a new metaphor that the author introduces to encourage the congregation. And underneath this whole thing is that they're suffering. And he's trying to get them to reimagine the purpose of their suffering. Because if it's just suffering for suffering's sake, it might as well just ditch it, right? Like, let's get into something else. But he's trying to get them to see it in a new light. And we've all experienced that. When we're struggling, when we're suffering, it's it's hard to see anything else. It's hard to see other people suffering. Um, And that could be dangerous, because someone else could be suffering, and and we're, you know, we're, we're just focused on what's going on with us, and we miss what's going on around us. Um... It has a way of drawing in all our attention, sucking our energy and everything. And so last week, the point is, don't give up. You know, these people, they went to the end, they suffered, and they received this promise. This week, we're talking about, you know, staying with it and and building endurance. And he's going to switch the metaphor here to, uh, last week was sort of a pilgrimage, making it to the pilgrimage. This week is, is a race, and not giving up on the race and developing endurance okay so uh, we're going to go to Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1 and he writes therefore since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses and this is referring to Abel and Enoch and Moses and Abraham and Sarah and you know all these people that were mentioned last week the prophets We're surrounded by these people, and we're connected with them, and we are part of that same family. And even though they've gone on before us, we are a part of that group. We are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race. God has set before us. So now the image has changed to that of a race. I, um, I don't know how many people know this. I was uh, a record holder at Mount Ararat for, for a decade. Uh, I used to run track over there. Now, I got to 
tone it down a little bit because it was a relay, so it wasn't just me. <laughs> and I might have been the slowest one out of four, but it was kind of cool to, uh, my father was the coach uh, and for years after as well. So every once in a while, he'd say, you know, that team you're on is still, they still hold the record. They still hold the record. Um, so it was my senior year, and uh, my parents were very athletic, and they, they ran all the time. I uh, had a running group get up at the crack of dawn and go running with their friends, and uh, who were all teachers here at Mount Ararat. And uh, so I played a lot of soccer, and in the spring I ran track. And my father was the coach. And when I started in, in eighth grade or in uh, junior high, which I guess back then would have been seventh grade, I, was, I ran two miles. Um, and by the time I was a senior in high school, I ran the 100 meters. <laughs> So I just figured, I don't like running, right? So I'm just going to shorten it every single year and get the shortest distance I can, I can get. So I did hurdles, and I did, which was about 200 and uh, the 100. And one of those was the 4 by 100 relay. So <clears throat> I was the lead leg. I was the first one. And I, really, I don't think I was the fastest out of four. Um, there might have been two others faster than me. And so I had to figure out ways to compensate for that. And particularly with uh, a relay and being the first leg, the, the two areas I had a lot of control over, because I, I could only go so fast and there was work to do to get that fast, but how do I get faster than what I can run, right? So uh, there's the start and there's the handoff of the baton. And that took a lot of work. And I did get to a point where I was starting and my reflexes were very quick out of the uh, blocks, um, quicker than most everyone else. Um, <clears throat> and that took a lot of work. And so it's sort of like you gotta line up, you're trying to, you're trying to figure out how you're gonna, where you're gonna put your hands and you know, exactly how you wanna set the blocks, the angle, because sometimes you start on a curve and you, know, you try it and then you gotta go back and do it again. Okay, do it again. Do it. I was thinking of that uh, movie Miracle, where, where the, uh, the, the 1980, uh, Olympic hockey, and they lose, and after they lose, the coach has got him out there on the ice practicing after they lose, and he's like, do it again, do it again, do it again. And he's asking them uh, about their identity, you know, and everyone says, I'm from Michigan, I'm from Uni University of Maine, whatever, until finally they get it, I'm, I'm a part of the U.S. hockey team. Their identity is one, not separate people, but one. But what he's, what he's doing is saying, do it again, do it again. And his assistant's like, this is, they're really, you're working them too hard. He's like, do it again, do it again. And we had to do that with the blocks, the starting. It took a long time. Again, I ran from 7th grade to, to 12th grade. And I don't think it was until I was a senior that I was able to get out of those blocks quicker than the other people on the track. But I was able to do it. And then we had to work on the handoff. And the guy I was handing off to was another soccer player, a friend of mine, and, but he was a lefty, and if we were going to make this smooth, we really had to go from the dominant hand to the dominant hand, which means we had to hand it off across. And that was not easy, but we didn't want to drop the thing either. Like handing it off with my left hand would feel really awkward. So we had to figure out where we're coming in on the curve and try it. And over and over and over again, you hear that thing clinking on the ground. You know, we're dropping it. And he's got to learn how to go at the right time so he's looking back he turns and he goes and when i hand it off to him he's not looking back 
He's not looking back. He's looking forward. I say reach, and the whole thing was real smooth. He puts his hand back, one, and he's got it. And it took a lot of time to figure out how to do that. But that's how we shaved off a few seconds. And so, you know, we finally got there, won the race, and earned a re- I don't know, maybe we didn't win the race, but we had the record at Mount Ararat. Who knows? But um, it was an achievement. And it took, <clears throat> it took a lot of time and a lot of practice. And so this is what the author is talking about here. That we're going to get in some terminology which is sort of politically incorrect with our culture nowadays. We're going to talk about God in a way that makes us cringe. It's sort of like last week. Like we don't like thinking about God this way. And when we talk about discipline, that's what we're talking about. Keep going. Try it again. Do it again. Do it again. And you get tired. And it's hard. And you're sweating. (laughs) And it's taking hours. Do it again. Do it again. Do it again. And so the author's trying to get us to see our trials that we face in a similar light. Okay? So in Hebrews 1, I'll read that again. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses, and the idea here is that you are in a stadium. And they're looking down at you, and they're cheering you on, and this is part of your people. A huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith. Let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Now the issue here is finishing the race. It's not winning. It doesn't talk about winning at all. We, I, was, I told you about that, that pastor's retreat I went down to. I, that was two weeks ago. I go down to this retreat, and this one guy's talking about the struggles he's had the last year and just trying to purchase this property and all the hurdles he has to overcome with the bank and financing and all that. His name was Rocky. And someone's trying to encourage him, you know, and he says, uh, <clears throat> just keep at it, have faith, God will be there. Rocky, with a name like that, you got to win. Rocky wins, right? And I thought... Well, actually, in the first movie, he doesn't win. <laughs> he loses. <laughs> so I didn't speak. I didn't want to, you know, put a wet blanket on that. But I was like, uh, maybe in Rocky two through sixteen, he wins. But in Rocky one, but in in the first one, which is a great movie, the winning is lasting through the match. He does win, and he lasts through the match, even though he loses the match. Um, And that's what our author is talking about here. Sticking with it. So we move on and he starts to explain what this means. He says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus. Which I love. Right? Our mission is to lead people towards a growing relationship with Jesus. When Jesus, before he goes into his own training out in the wilderness, where Jesus has to endure, where Jesus is running a race... What happens right before that is that love of God. Behold my son in whom I am well pleased. And that is a fancy way of saying, if we could boil it down, I love you. And I don't think Jesus can really get through that temptation without that incredible sense of the love of God in his life. That connection in love. Not a God that's angry. Not a God that's going to you know, react with some little slip up. But that God loves him. This is before his ministry. 
That happens before, and that's really significant, I believe, uh, for his ministry and the success of his ministry. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. Because of the joy awaiting him, again, we're, we're talking about a race here and finishing. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Now he is seated in the right, he's, he's seated at the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So he's given the image of Jesus, and we're getting an idea of exactly what he's talking about. Jesus was rejected by people. Jesus was loved by many people. People left him. When he did a hard teaching, people would leave. Um, And more than that, he suffered an incredible death that was excruciating and publicly shamed and probably emotionally shamed as well in the process. His own disciples left. I mean, it hurt. But for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. He's seated at the right hand. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. So he's like, we are connected with Jesus. We are with him. He is with us in this. After all, you have not yet given your lives in your struggle against sin. Now, here's my suggestion. Don't ever say this to someone who's having a hard time. <laughs> like, you haven't suffered as much as Jesus, so cheer up, right? It could be worse. Don't do that, okay? This is a very different culture than ours. Uh, that would not be good counseling practice these days. <laughs> but he makes the point that Jesus suffers for all of us. After all, you have not given your lives in your struggle against sin. But Jesus did. So now we get into this language. He's going to parse this out a little bit more. And he's going to get into this language of talking about how God disciplines us. Now, with the baggage I've been mentioning over and over again in this series that a lot of us bring to the table, it might be worth trying to figure out where we got this from, but we, we hear about God disciplining us, we think about a God who is reactive to our slip-ups. And that God's going to be angry. And what we, I think we need to think about is a God that is proactive in training us to live this life of faith. He says, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, and he's going to quote a proverb here, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as a child. And when we read something about punishment, it you know, there's a cringe factor. Right? Well, the issue here is discipline. And again, words are slippery. And so he's quoting this proverb that talks about how we discipline ourselves in this race. Again, remember... What helps us understand the argument here is the images that are being used. And the images that are being used are running a race and enduring. And going back and saying, again, do it again, do it again, do it again. Work on the handoff, work on the handoff. And that's the sort of, that's the sense that we're getting out of this passage. That as we 
walk in this life, it's going to be a learning process. The image here is not one that where God is mad at us and punishing us. But when we read discipline, we can read it both ways. I'm disciplining myself to run a race. i got to go out every day. I'm not going to learn how to run a marathon in one afternoon. i got to do it over and over and over again. And it takes that discipline to endure. Or we could read it that God's mad at us. <laughs> and we bring that sort of that default mode into this. Because, I don't know, you know, probably a lot of us, maybe we were in churches where we felt that, or what? I don't know. Parents that treated us that way, I don't know. But we bring a lot of that. I didn't grow up going to church, so I don't know. I, you know, I wonder, where did I get this? Maybe it's just something we, our culture, I don't know. So he goes on, he says, as you endure this divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? If God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you are illegitimate and are not really his children. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the father of our spirits and live forever? For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, during the best, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in his holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it's happening. It's painful. But afterward, there will be a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. <clears throat> well, yeah, it has time. Now, here's what we need to remember here, okay? This is not a be-all, end-all dissertation on suffering. Why bad things happen to good people. That's a passage somewhere else. That's a sermon for another day. So, when someone discovers that their four-year-old has leukemia, that's not what we're talking about here. That's not... This endurance. The endurance here is like uh, the other night, we have family night, and it was horrible. <laughs> it was like the worst family night we've had in a long time. Partly because I'm getting grumpy about something and I'm getting sharp, and then I receive that sense of discipline. Go back again. You have that conviction. I spoke too soon. I spoke too sharply. I wasn't, uh, you know, I, I wasn't as forgiving. Go back, do it again. That's what we're talking about. He's talking about people that, you know, when we follow Christ, it's going to cost us something. It costs us something emotionally, costs us something financially, costs us something socially, and it's costing them. So Jesus says, love your enemies. That's not always easy. And sometimes we end up with a sharp word or we end up hating, and it's like, go back, try it again. Do the handoff again. Do it again. And you will learn to love. That's, that's the kind of suffering we're talking about, is learning how to follow Jesus. It's not talking about all kind of suffering that ever happens to us. And it takes some discernment. You know, things happen sometimes. I don't think God is punishing us with a pandemic. And people out there's people out there that probably would say that. And I think that's not very good theology. We, I hear lots of stories during this time where our country... It's been so divided. 
I've heard so many stories where families are divided. And I hear people talking about working through that and trying to figure out how do I navigate this relationship? That's the endurance. He's saying, don't give up. I've taught you, you know, this is what it means to follow me. Love your enemies. Forgive, always. How many times do I forgive? Always. That's not easy. Go back, do it again. Go back, do it again. Go back, do it again. And so I am learning how to become a good father. And as soon as I figure it out, with every age, they get older, and then i got to figure it out again. <laughs> it takes endurance. And I know, particularly in leading a church, there have been things I've had to learn over the years. Um, and there's been change. It's a beautiful thing to see. But it didn't happen overnight. And so we know what he's talking. So, okay, well, let's just continue. Uh, verse 12. So take a new grip with your tired hands and strengthen your weak knees. Mark out a straight path for your feet so that those who are weak and lame will not fall but become strong. Again, there you have it. There's your theme. Stick with it. Jesus is better. Now, what's interesting is that this informs what we're talking about specifically. Verse 14, work at living in peace with everyone and work at living a holy life. For those who are not holy will not see the Lord. If we're not set apart, I, I think we're going to have a hard time seeing God in this. Look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. So he's talking about this. This is what he's talking about. Go back and do it again. Look out for one another. Work with one another. Live at peace with one another. That's the work here. That's the discipline here. It's not a God that's just waiting to give you a spanking because your heater broke or your furnace broke or whatever, or something happened. Someone got sick. God's mad at me. No, that's not the kind of suffering that we're talking about here. We're talking about enduring, working our muscles, working our spiritual muscles, to endure. Make sure that no one is immoral or godless, like Esau, who traded his birthright as a firstborn son for a single meal. He comes back, he's hungry, he's thirsty, he's hangry. Okay, give me your birthright and I'll give you some soup. All right. Listen, here's, here's what's going on here. Esau is making a decision that's very short-sighted. And he's saying, don't make a short-sighted decision. This sort of endurance will pay off. It will pay off. Um, we ran into this the other day. Uh, so we have Floodgate on Thursday. I asked Sophie, hey, you want to go to Floodgate? I got this job, and I, uh, I got to work Thursday. Um, Sophie has two jobs in town, both at different restaurants, and one's in the morning, one's at night. And the, the one at night is the newer one. Only been there a couple weeks. She said, maybe I can uh, call in to get it shifted. And I said, you just started there. I don't think that's the wisest thing in the long run, right? In other words, don't be short-sighted about this. Okay, you're going to miss out on this, but this is, this is the training of how we understand of how to be a good employee. You know, early on is not a good time to do that. And she didn't give me, I'm not picking on Sophie. She, she didn't call off. Uh, she's a great worker, actually. And, um, <clears throat> you know, 
And now the plan is, once basketball's done on Wednesday, so you can shift that to Wednesday and go out on Thursday night with Floodgate. That's a long-term plan that's going to take some time. It's going to take some endurance and missing out on the groups, but we'll get there. Esau was short-sighted. And he's saying, don't be short-sighted. Keep with it. Keep at it. Um, So, the obvious question here is, what comes to mind? What comes to mind? First of all, take the time to delineate between suffering that just happens to you and the suffering and the endurance that happens with learning how to follow Christ and stick with it and separate out that other stuff. That's a different sermon for a different time. We're talking about endurance, learning to follow Christ and training ourselves, disciplining ourselves to do that. And that conviction, like the other night for me with family night, was i got to do a better job at this. That's part of the discipline. That's what's being talked about here. Stick with it. So, to, so delineate those kind of suffering in your life. And then, what is, where is it? Where are we falling in this area? Where are we getting weak in this area? Does it have to do with relationships? Does it have to do with managing our time? Does it have to do with where is that connection with God beginning to disintegrate? And what can we do about it? Go back and do it again. Go back and do it again. So my father was the coach. And one thing that's easy to miss here is he talks about a father disciplines us. Now, don't miss this. Because this is really, this is at the heart. We focus on God is angry (laughs) and disciplining us. That's not the focus. The focus he's trying to say is you're part of the family. You're part of the family. You're a child. And the focus should be on we are a loved child of God. That's the focus here. God loves you. So my father was the coach. And he didn't coach, he didn't oversee the shortest running distance. Is that what he didn't coach those areas? So he wasn't, he didn't uh, work with me in depth personally. Um, another coach did. But we had these meets. And every meet, <clears throat> this would happen. He would come up to me at the end. And at the end is the 4 by 400 relay, something I did not train for. And he would come up to me. He'd put his arm around my shoulder and say, so-and-so's sick, so-and-so didn't show up, so-and-so is injured, can you do the leg on the 4 by 400 And I hated that race. <laughs> because <laughs> you can't sprint it, or you throw up at the end, and you can't pace yourself, or you're going to get beat. Um, but it was that, I mean, he came to me as a coach, but there was that father part that was in there as well. He wasn't going to make me do it. But he would come up and say, would you be willing to do this? And I'd say, yeah, I'll do it. And I hated it. <laughs> oh, that was a horrible race. Don't ever, kids, don't ever run that race. <laughs> um, we're part of the family. And at the heart of this is Jesus loves us. Amen. God loves us. Amen. It's hard. I think it's encouraging that the Bible can... Look honestly at the life and say, this is a hard road ahead of us. Any choice we make in life is going to have certain consequences to it. And there are consequences to following Jesus. He teaches us to love our enemies. He teaches us to pray for those who persecute us. He teaches us to forgive. And those are hard things to do. 
Go back and do it again. Go back and do it again. That discipline will pay off and you will change. And it will reap a harvest that is a real blessing. Amen. Okay? Yes. All right. We'll stop with that. We'll get the band up there. I think we got some more Matt Redman coming on the way. Let's pray. God, at the heart of, of, of these passages is your love for us. Help us to turn to that thought, that reality. Um, help us to grow in a way where we automatically turn towards that love uh, rather than an image of a God who's always angry with us. Um, that alone will revolutionize and transform our lives in such a powerful way. Bring to mind, we ask that by the power of your Spirit, you would bring to mind those areas in our lives where we need to exercise more discipline. Um, and the conviction that we feel, the, the sense that, of correction we feel from you is out of love, that we would become followers that look more and more and more like the person of Jesus. That Jesus is formed in us. And that identity just begins to, to flow out of us in every aspect of life. Help us to build our lives on that love, on the, on the sure foundation of your love for us. And we ask this in Jesus' name, by his power and his authority, seated at the right hand of God,